Many of you have probably seen this. I don't, you may not have engaged in it, but you probably in your childhood saw something like this. When I was a kid and wanted to play a sport or really any kind of a team activity, the way it worked usually was, was this. You had the group of kids all together, and then you chose two captains. And those two captains would sit outside the group, and they would start looking at each individual player and say, I want that one, I want that one, I want that one, I want that one, until the whole group was gone and all the kids were on one team or the other. Now, there were a couple of dynamics about that. Number one, you knew that if you were chosen first, that meant they thought you were pretty good. But it also meant you didn't want to be chosen last. Because being chosen last meant, well, we'll, we'll stick him in right field or, or something like that and kind of get him out of the way so that he's not going to cause too much difficulty. And that was always a bad place to be. It was always kind of a, ah, oh, boy, I hope they don't choose me last. Well, today... In our gospel lesson, we have a dispute among the apostles. And like those little kids who don't want to be chosen last, they're really, really hoping that Jesus is going to point to one of them and say, you're greatest, you're first. I've seen something in you that I really like. And because I see that, I want you on my team. I'm the captain, but you're going to be like first alternate, right? And so they're all looking for a certain sense of honor, a certain sense of glory. And why wouldn't they? It's just earlier in this passage in Mark 9, verses 2 through 13, that Jesus has taken Peter, James, and John up into the mountain, and he's transfigured into a brilliant white light. And Moses and Elijah are there with them. So Peter, James, and John have the experience of seeing Jesus with Moses and Elijah being transfigured. They know they want to be on this team. They know they want to play an important role in this team. What they don't understand is that there is no greatest on this team. And so in this way, they still haven't figured out precisely what the gospel is, how the gospel functions. And so Jesus has to have a come-to-Jesus meeting. He sits down, and the word that's used for that is kathesas. It's a very unique term in Hebrew. You don't find it, or in Greek, you don't find it in the Gospels very often. And what he's doing, what the author is doing, is calling attention to the fact that he didn't just sit. He sat with intention. He sat with the desire to show them something new. And so this morning, Jesus calls us to sit around him and hear this word. I wonder where you're at this morning. And before we even begin to understand what he has to ask us, I want to ask you this. Have you ever had the experience, whether it be on a team or rather be in your faith, that you're either working to get God's approval or that you can somehow earn brownie points if you just do the right godly things in order to get God's approval? And then if he sees something good enough in you, he's going to make you like that first player chosen. Well, Jesus wants us to open our ears today. And the author uses that word in order to remind us that what Jesus is about to say is very, very important to how we understand the life of faith. Get this wrong and we get everything wrong. 
whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. We think of being a servant much like we think of enslavement. When we hear servanthood, I think sometimes we tend to think of this person has power and this person doesn't. The servant doesn't have the power. The person who's being served does. So we tend to not like the idea of being in service to the world. But think about this for just a second. Jesus came to serve the world. And you hear me say this all the time. It still blows my mind that the eternal, pre-existent God, the Son of God, came to earth and took on flesh. Why? To serve? To serve us? To live a life that we couldn't live for ourselves? To die a death he didn't deserve to die? in order to bridge the gap between God and us, to bring us back into right order? Now, who holds the power in that? Who holds the power in Jesus' service? Jesus. Because it's his decision. He makes himself lower. Not because somebody else is holding it over his head and saying, you have to do it, but because he chooses to do it out of love. And that's what he calls us to. He's not saying serve in the sense that someone is above you. He's not even saying serve in the sense that God is above you and you have to serve him or else. He's instead saying you have power to serve. You have the freedom to serve the world around you. And so let's make a comparison here. We have a comparison in this story. The apostles think that greatness is a place of honor. The apostles think that instead of serving, people should be serving them. And then that's what the true life, that's what Christianity looks like. That's what it means to really be in good in the faith. But what does Jesus do? Does he say, yeah, you're right, go ahead, seek the glory. He doesn't do that. Picks up a child He picks up that child and he looks at that child and he says, become like this. This is what you're supposed to be like. Now, here's the difficulty if you're a parent. I have three boys. And the church church speaks sometimes does it like this. This gentle, loving Jesus picks up this gentle, loving child and looks gently into this gentle child's eyes and be like this gentle, perfect sinless child who never does anything wrong. Well, come spend a little bit of time in my household. (laughs) I bet most of you know where I'm going with that. When he picks up this child, he's not picking up a child that never disobeys. He's not picking up a child who never gets in fights, who never gets in arguments. He's picking up a child who is as flawed as you and I are. But there's a quality that most children have that you and I tend to lose over the course of life. And that's a sense of dependence. We grow up, we move out of mom and dad's house, we start to make a life for ourselves. And somehow that sense of independence also takes a religious strain as well. 
we begin to think of ourselves perhaps as independent of God. And Jesus is offering to us that if you take on the faith of a child, you never lose that sense of dependence upon your heavenly father. It never goes away. It has to be that way. We've been talking for the last several weeks in our evening service about creation and about how reliant we are upon something that exists outside time and space that communicates love to us through creation. But we lose sight of that as we begin to start our jobs, as we begin to begin our lives together, get married, whatever we do, we start to think kind of, I'm doing this by myself. Well, God, Jesus in particular today wants to call you back and say, take on this faith of the child and understand that the faith of the child is what frees the child. And that is the gift that God gives to us. We're not working, we're not sitting outside the team with God, with Christ as the captains over here, choosing us based on ability and saying, you're good enough. We're already on the team. That's Jesus' message to us today. If you're breathing, if you were born, that's God's way of saying, I have chosen you. And how chosen, how much more chosen could you be than to have no ability to do anything for yourself, to not even be born? How many people made themselves be born? Nobody. Not one person. It was gift. And Jesus is saying, the gift that you have been given is one that you don't have to earn. You don't have to worry about trying to get on the team. You don't have to worry about trying to impress the captain. The captain already loves you. The captain has already chosen you. And the only question left is this. Do you want to get in the game? Because the captain won't make you get in the game. The captain won't make you follow him. The captain won't make you love him. But you can be assured of this. If you do choose to love him and follow him and seek him on a daily basis, you're never going to be able to do anything other than what he has already done for you in order to get him to love you more. You can't make him love you more. Parents, you know this is true. If your kids did something wrong, and I don't care what that wrong is, is there any way you could not love them? Anyway, I can't think of one thing. I could be disappointed. I could be upset with what my children have done. But I don't care what Ethan, Evan, and Eric do in life. No matter the sins they commit, I can't not love my kids. And that's how God is with you. He created you. You are his child. Whether you wish it were so or not. And so God isn't looking at you and saying, you need to get it right. God is saying, you're already right with me. If you've pushed yourself away from me, if you've sought things other than me, then just turn around and come back. We tend to make this so complicated. Like the person who doesn't have a relationship with God, an active relationship with God, needs to, you know, say this prayer or go through these steps or needs to reach this intellectual thing where they, they, they have this understanding 
how did it work with the prodigal son? He just turned around from where he was at. He started walking back toward the father. And then the father ran out to meet him. It's simple. We are free now to serve God. We are free now to serve our neighbor. We are free now to love the world around us. And as Bill and Gloria Gaither said in their song so many years ago, we're free now to put our hands in the hands of our friends because we no longer have to compete with our neighbor, with our friends. That's all done. It's been done through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I want to ask you, are you still trying to get on the team or do you accept that through the blood of Jesus Christ, you're already on the team again? All you need to do is turn back toward him and say, I want to get in the game, Lord. If that's what you want, it's there. I want to encourage you this week. I want to encourage you every week. When you have those moments where you begin to think that you're not good enough, you're not. Nobody is. But when you begin to think, my father doesn't love me because I'm not good enough, that's a problem. The father has already shown you that he loves you by creating you. The father shows you every day that he loves you through what he did on the cross by sending his son to die. So if you're not in the game, I want to encourage you, get in the game. You're free to get in the game, not out of compulsion, but because God loves you. And now you get to serve for no other reason than you love the world. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, it is such a wonderful gift to know that there's nothing we can bring in order to make you love us more. We thank you that we're not sitting on the outside waiting for a captain to choose us, but rather you are the captain and you have chosen us already. So Lord, I would pray that you empower us to see clearly your love for us. And as we see that love clearly, enlighten our hearts, ignite our hearts, so that we would be ready and willing and desirous to get in the game and serve you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.